the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. Ryan Gara back with more End Time Insights. And I found the right page. Hallelujah. You know, I never pay attention to where I end the week before. My lessons are long, and so I just stop somewhere when I'm out of time. And sometimes I'll actually remember to mark where I've stopped so I know where to pick up. Sometimes I don't, but I think I've got a notation here. Hallelujah. You know, these lessons, they, they go, and we teach them in Bible study on Saturdays and Normally, one Bible lesson on Saturday is equivalent to two radio shows. Although, if I learn anything in between, because <laughs> we do the Bible studies every other Saturday. But anyway, we're talking about humility. I think I'm going to finish it today. We, we started on sin, and then we focused about sin with the sin of pride. And then from pride, we weren't going to tell you about the problem without giving you the remedy or the antidote. Pride is the poison, and humility is the antidote. And we've been dealing with humility, and last week we went into talking about not just individual humility, but we use Christ as an example to show us that individual humility. But there's goals required for the church, and those goals will not be reached without true humility. So we were talking about humility in the church. And, you know, we're in the apostasy. You're going to hear more negatives about the church than you will hear positives right now. That's just the nature of the end times. That doesn't mean there's no power, there's no holiness, there's no purity in the church. It just means that's what's going to be promoted before the world. They're going to try to make the church look bad. But that's not the true church of God. Hallelujah. The true church of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Thank you, Jesus. In short, in order for the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth, to achieve the effectiveness that Christ expects, we need an attitude adjustment, guys. We need to learn how to walk and demonstrate and walk with God in humility. One of my favorite scriptures, Micah 6, 8, Thou hast shown me, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to love mercy, to do justly, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. If you are not walking humbly with your God, you are walking with somebody else. We aren't supposed to be walking around with pride just emanating from every opening in our bodies. We're supposed to be humble, walking with God. We got our chest out. We've got our heads held high. We have become proud and arrogant in our faith, in our teaching, uh, in trusting, and we're just missing out on the fellowship and the assignments that God is giving us. We think that our authority and our riches can get us over our problems, and we've neglected to Remember that we're walking with God and we're relying on the Holy Spirit of God. We're relying on the Holy Spirit of God for our teaching, for our love walk, for our peace, for our holiness, for our purity. 
and we've got to get away. We have brought man way too much authority in the church. We need to humbly repent of that and go back to trusting in the spirit of God. You know, man does well. I get that. Okay, but it's carnal man. And God will only let us go so far before he checks us and say, no, 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 no. Because his spirit knows more than we do. His wisdom is greater than our carnal knowledge, our carnal wisdom, which at the end of the day is earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. It's demonic. So anyway, we need to humble ourselves in our walk with God so that we can imitate Christ who became poor, that we might become rich. And it's not necessarily a, a materialistic poorness. Or You know, he, he gave everything away. We know Jesus Christ. We know the disciples. They lived in a community type of affair when the Holy Spirit was coming to us in Acts. And it's not. I'm not talking about socialism. I'm talking about church living where unobtrusive, unmitigated, perfectly pure love is demonstrated by the people of God. So he became poor that we might become rich. In humble service to others, in selfless giving, in sacrifice and suffering. That's the example that Jesus painted for us in the church. The millennium isn't here yet. It's coming. It's right around the corner. That's where we will rule and reign saints of God. We need not be walking around in pride. We've got assignments. We've got work to do. And so we are in service to God for those who don't know him yet. Humility is missing from our teaching not only in regards to the message of humility, but in the act, the demonstration of humility as well in our leaders. And I see it all the time. That's why unity is missing. If humility is missing, unity is missing. Many of our church leaders fail to demonstrate an awareness to their role as serving the people that they are leading. Without a selfless, humble church, there can be no unity. In the United States, right, with the hope and the promise of the American dream, constantly paraded before us. Even that message is in the church now. Even the church has fallen into the deception that wealth constitute God's approval. No, it does not. Scriptures on favor and blessing from the Lord highlight and justify our greed, and they manipulate us away from the true lessons of humility, and they lead us towards pride and covetousness. We have become a church that is more into getting rather than a church that is into giving all the while lining the pockets of those who preach such doctrines. We need to be careful, guys. Today's charismatic Pentecostal Word of Faith movement chooses to ignore the humble aspects of Christ's life and his teaching as well, and they focus on everything that is proud, everything that is above and not beneath, everything that is prosperous and not sacrificial. You know, uh, they, they teach on things that are associated with strength, Uh, affluence, power, and authority. There is a measure of truth in those, but it has been misapplied. It gets lost in the excesses that they talk about. And, you know, we haven't accomplished anything yet. We haven't finished anything yet. Paul says, I can't wait to apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. The war is not over, guys. The battle still rages. But because of erroneous teaching and carnal goals brought about by carnal understanding and materialistic desires by our leaders, Our preaching of today's gospel has left the truth in shambles. I believe much of Christianity has set its sights on distractions rather than the real goal of that of knowing God. Mark 16, 15, and I love the simplicity of Jesus. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There you go. It's simple. It's not hard. As you do that, you will come to know God better and better. As you do that, others will have the opportunity to come to God that you know, to come to know the God that you know. 
It's simple. It's basic. It's perfectly stated by Jesus. Perfectly clear. It doesn't need man's help. It doesn't need any alterations. It doesn't have to be changed or embellished, exaggerated. While God loves righteousness in our nation, in all nations, in Israel, his main concern is righteous souls. Let's not lose focus. Notice there are two aspects to oneness that the church is to be concerned with. Number one, the unity of the spirit. Ephesians talks about that. And number two, the unity of the faith. We'll talk about both of them. Ephesians 4, verses 2 through 4. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. That means putting up with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling. John MacArthur says that God's primary direction for the church is that we be one, and he's correct. Jesus had it. His last prayer, John 17, all about us becoming one with God, one with each other, in the same way that Jesus and God became one. That's God's will for the church, to become one just as they are and with them. Total unity. Jesus told us to love one another. Well, why is that? Well, then the world would know that we are from God. It's that supernatural love that there should be uh, demonstrating that we know God. I'm sorry, I'm drifting off of John MacArthur's quote. Let's go back. Uh, We talk about it in marriage class all the time. Your marriage is the most powerful witnessing tool that there will ever be on the earth, a husband and a wife becoming one, painting a picture of what oneness in a relationship with God is supposed to look like. That was me. A husband and a wife becoming one. We demonstrate the supernatural ability of Christian love to form that perfect bond of peace. It speaks, it demonstrates, it witnesses that God wants us to be one. And we paint that picture of how Christ and God are one. And it not only speaks, but it demonstrates it as well. It shows the supernatural character of our leader, Jesus Christ. Okay, back to MacArthur. If in the midst of all of this disunity that we have now in the church and all of this lack of peace and all of this lack of love, there is a community of people who are totally in love with each other and our leader, who are totally one, who are absolutely united, then somebody, if we can demonstrate that, somebody's going to have to recognize that's not a human institution, MacArthur says. See, because human institutions are incapable of doing that. They don't have that. And they're going to say then, these must be a supernatural source. There must be a supernatural source. And Jesus says that they will know that God sent me. That's what he, um, this is me. That's what he's talking about. If your witness is as it should be, if you are demonstrating the supernatural love, resulting in supernatural humility, finally realizing the goal of oneness, they're going to know that they don't have that ability. The world doesn't have that ability. Only the church has that ability. Where there is, back to MacArthur, where there is discord and friction and factions and fighting and disconnection and a lack of peace, that the world sees that as just another human institution. But when that's not in any relationship, then we have done our job. We have shown them that we are different. Hallelujah. And of course, that's what religion is all about, isn't it? That's what represented by the mere existence of religion. It stands for disunity within God's church even. Religion is man's attempt to get to God right? The Pentecost think they know how to get there. The Catholics think they know how to get there. The uh, Libertarians have a different method. Lutherans have their own method. Church of Christ has their own way. No, we should be united about the truth that there's one way to God and his name is Jesus. Once we get around that truth as a group, we're in unity because our goal is the same. Because we have the same mind, the mind of Christ that was written about in the Bible. 
Christ alone. There's one way to God. If we can focus on that, that should bring us into unity, right? Religion is man's attempt, once again, to get to God. However, Jesus is God's attempt to get to man. If we will stick with the message of the cross, like Jesus said, if we will stick with the gospel, that will keep us in unity. But we've changed everything. We fight about baptism. We can't agree on baptism. You know, well, you got to get baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, no, you don't. You got to get baptized in the name of the Father. No, you got to get baptized in all three names. I mean, come on, guys. You got to get baptized in Paul's name. Can we just agree on the simple biblical truths about baptism? And we do it about all different things. You know, religion, we fight about one another. That's the devil. Unity, no. The devil is disunity. The devil's plan is dysfunction within the church. With religion, you've got factions and divisions everywhere because religion has been designed by man. With Christ, there's only one. He's revealed by the Holy Spirit, and he leads Paul to say this, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Paul writing, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called unto Christ. But I like that, I therefore, the prisoner of Paul. Paul is writing this while he's in prison, probably Rome, and he's saying, hey, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. I'm not the prisoner of the Rome. I'm the prisoner of the Lord. Amen. He knew his freedom. Hallelujah. He goes on, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, there is one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You hear that, everybody? One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and he is in you all. That is enough to have us in total harmony. Just stick to those truths. Look at this. One body. We're the body of Christ. Sorry, we're not the bride. We are the body of Christ. You can be the body of Christ, like the Bible says, or you can be the bride of Christ, which the Bible doesn't say. But most of us are trying to be both. See, there's disunity there. Just read the Bible. Do what the Bible says. You are the body of Christ. There is one spirit. Amen. That's why you cannot ever bring disunity into the spirit because Paul tells you right there, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. We don't attain to the unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit is there. There's only one spirit. He is not divided. And we are to keep that. We are to walk in that. You're either in the spirit of God or you're in the spirit of man. But you are always singular when you are in the spirit, keeping the unity of the spirit. Then there's one Lord. I think we got that, Jesus Christ. I think we're pretty good about that. Although some of us think we're following the Lord, Jesus Christ. We're following the Antichrist spirit by our behaviors. There's one faith and there's one baptism. One God and Father of all. That's why big push about Allah. Allah is not God. Sorry, family. Allah is not God. Uh, Who's the other guy? Uh, Buddha is not God. All these other people, they are not God. Only one God, his name is Jehovah. Hallelujah, I should have my Bible with me and let you read it in Isaiah 45. I think it's verse 7. We were in Bible study the other day. God was anointing Cyrus. He was going to have Cyrus pass judgment upon Israel. And he just got up in Cyrus's face and he says, Hey, you're about to get power. You don't know me, but I'm going to give you authority because I need you for my purpose and plan. But know this, I am God. I alone am God. I alone am the only God, and you will serve me. Uh, He laid it out in Isaiah for Cyrus. We should have a talk like that, right? God should come back down and tell us that all the time. Hey, he does. It's in the book. 
The Bible says God's judgments, they will make him known. When God's judgments are in the earth, the people will know God. But we attributed God's judgments to other things, to Satan, to man, to natural circumstances, to the earth's calamity. <sighs> Come on, guys, read your Bibles, please. Hallelujah. Religion comes in and it jumps all over these verses I just read you in Ephesians chapter 4. Man argues over all of that. We fuss and fight over baptism. We fuss and fight over Christ's lordship. The doctrines of faith, we can't get into agreement on them. We've got a better idea. Just stick with the Bible and do away with your pride and walk in humility. In my opinion, here we go, the unity of the Spirit is a fait accompli. That means it's already done. You can't disrupt the unity of the Spirit. It's impossible. It is done. It's above your pay grade. It's already here. We didn't work for it. We won't work for it. We either enter into it or we don't. Notice the language in the scriptures, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. It's a done deal. The spirit is supernatural. Man is not involved in that. He is always in perfect union with the father and with Jesus, the spirit. It's man that gets in the way. We either join in or we stay out. Another huge reason the church doesn't see the power of God demonstrated. So there we do see it. Our unity is our witness. Wise Brother Paul in prior verses tells us how to acquire this unity. Lowliness and meekness. Lowliness of mind and meekness. Or another word, humility. That's all that that is. Despite what we see today, there are no stars, guys. I'm sorry. For me, my heroes, they're all dead. I mean, I'm studying now. I very rarely teach, listen to modern-day preachers. There's a few. But for me, I'm, I'm learning from Calvin. I'm learning from Spurgeon. Uh, I'm learning from even Charles Stanley. John MacArthur's alive. I listen to him. Uh, uh, Jan Markell, Lamb and Lion Ministry. Uh, Franklin Graham, I love good stuff that he Samaritan's Purse. We love that. We support that. Plus, he preaches the gospel. He's good. He's pure. We have our heroes, but like I said, most of them are dead and gone. Tozier, uh, I loved him. Uh, these people that had the old-time truth, um, Modern-day preachers like Dave Gusek, the Bible Commentaries, Precept Austin. There's some wonderful teaching in there by people that are long gone. But, man, they didn't have the distractions that we had, and they knew their God. Hallelujah. So there we see it again. Our unity is our witness. Second, the unity of the faith. Remember, we just spoke about the unity of the Spirit. We are to keep the unity of the Spirit. We are to attain unto the unity of the faith, Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, God's given us gifts to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. We are endeavoring to come to the unity of the faith. We are endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, which is a given. And now we are endeavoring to come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Quite a mouthful there, but that's where we're striving for. Notice we aren't there yet, but we will be. Unlike the unity of the Spirit, we must continue to effort to achieve this. Notice that the uh, fourfold ministry, many call it the fivefold ministry. I call it the fourfold ministry because I think pastor-teacher goes together. You can be a teacher and not be a pastor, but you cannot be a pastor and not be a teacher. Pastor-teacher is the fourth ministry. Uh, you've got the, the evangelist, the prophet, the prophet, and the apostle. And you've got the pastor-teacher, and it's one spiritual gift. The pastor must 
have a teaching gift. If a pastor is trying to pastor a church without the teaching gift, he has not been called by God to be pastor. So then, uh, so we all come to the unity of the, the flesh. That requires us, you and me, working. Uh, and it's still a work of the Holy Spirit of God because he's leading us and guiding us. He gave us these gifts to perfect us as we allow those gifts to flow through us and in us, to us and for us, we then become mature and we then have a um, opportunity to grow into the measure of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. It's an assignment that the Holy Spirit, he does it. And, you know, he knows a thing or two about unity, does he not? Man, get out of the way. I don't believe this happens on this earth, though, it's my opinion. The unity of the faith happens at the same time that we become a perfect man. That's when we achieve this perfect unity of the faith. And that's not going to happen while we're here. The unity of the faith happens at the same time we become perfect in Christ, achieving the fullness of Christ. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be a goal. We are trying to get there. The Amplified says it this way. I love the Amplified. Uh, Ephesians four twelve and 13. That it might develop, what's this, the perfecting of the saints, until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. Wow, that's where we're going, guys. But we won't do it without humility. The measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness that is found only in him. Spiritual wholeness comes when the church, both collectively and individually, is in complete conformity to God's word. Did you get that? Not complete conformity to each other, but in complete conformity to God's word. The more we drift away from God's word, the less unity we will have. That's why you don't see God's word being preached in our churches across the board. The more we drift away from God's word, the less unity we will have. The more man inputs into God's word, the less unity we will have. That's where religion is so dangerous. That's where religion comes from. Man talking about what he thinks the word of God means rather than sitting under the ministry of the Holy Spirit and revealing to us what God's trying to say. You know, man, he tries to understand God's word in his carnal senses. You can't do it rather than just accept it. A former pastor friend of mine, uh, he just couldn't understand. I told him that 9-11 was God's judgment upon the church, upon the earth. I told him COVID. I told him Katrina. He just freaked out. And I says, no. And he couldn't understand it because he said, how could a good God kill 2,000, 3,000 people at 9-11? I said, God will kill 1 million if it will save 50 million from going to hell. You know, you're his creation. He can do what he wishes, okay? It doesn't mean he doesn't love them. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan for our lives. But you need to trust God, my friend. When your reasoning trumps the things that's been written, you're in big trouble. Hallelujah. So he said, how could God judge people with events such as 9-11, Katrina, or COVID? It just blew his mind that God could or would kill people in judgment. He killed 20,000 Jews when the son of Korah rose up in rebellion. He remember Phineas when uh, it was going back to the days of Balaam, when Balaam tricked the Jews and they were using the temple prostitutes of Baal Peor to seduce the Jews. One guy brought the lady into his tent and God had Phineas kill him. 
And then he slew another 20,000 through plagues because of Israel's sin. Why did he do that? Because he wished to preserve the other 6 million. You've got to give God his due. He knows more than you do. When you try to reason away the things that you don't agree with, you are no longer serving God. You are judging God. And that brings a whole hell of a lot of trouble when you take on that position. Rather than read the word and believe the word and understand that a sovereign God will use any means at his disposal to keep us from hell, this brother's reason trumped his faith, and he wound up way off base to the point now that he believes God can't do anything on this earth without first partnering with man, a doctrine which is in direct opposition to the words of Jesus Christ, John fifteen five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's not humility, my friend. That is pride. I don't care what scriptures you give me to try to prove that God can't do anything without partnering first with men. You, my friend, are off base. You are deceived. You are full of pride. And you don't know the God of the Bible. So I pray, Father God, for people like that in the church today that have not learned humility. I pray that you would break them of their pride, Father. I pray, Father God, that you would deliver them from any demonic thoughts that have penetrated their thinking, Father God, and you would restore them, that you would wash them in the blood. I cover them in the blood. I pray for their souls, Father God. Restore them to right standing with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.